This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. I'm Martin Stark and I'm joined once again by our panel of Saints experts to reflect on all things Southampton Football Club. Uh, coming up on the podcast this week, reaction to another defeat at Arsenal and we'll preview a busy week in the league with two games to look forward to, albeit nervously perhaps, Palace on Wednesday and Brentford at the weekend. First of all, let me introduce you to our regular TSP guests. Let's go top right. Uh, Steve Brandt, who is the owner of Saints Web. What uh, live games have you seen this week? Steve, you've been out and about again? Yeah, so um, been on, on the road with uh, with Sutton this week. So uh, a return trip to Newport on Tuesday night. Yeah, not quite the the same res- the same uh, resounding result as, uh, as when I went with Saints earlier in the season. Uh, last minute. Um, penalty defeat, having played with 10 men for an hour and only about a couple of hours or so got back from uh, weekender in Bradford. Um, I have to say it's reassuring is... to have you back and moaning about the trains again. I feel like I've missed oh, that good when Lord. you've been in, in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, we, um, yeah, so the train yeah train home was delayed by almost two hours um, en route as well. So it wasn't as if we could pitch up in a pub somewhere and, uh, and wait for everything to clear up. We were kind of about a third of the way home and yeah, points failure and basically sat Sat there doing nothing for, for it's ages. Great so back, it? It's great oh, to yes. be back, isn't it? It's great to be back. Oh, yes. Good old, uh, good old network, Row. If you're watching the stream, bottom right is Glenda LaCour, who's the writer of the blog League One Minus 10. Uh, how's your weekend been, Glenn? Suns team didn't have a great result either today, did they? No, they got beat. It was only a friendly day, so uh, write that one off. Draw the line under it, move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, under-18s football. It's, um, it's when alcohol gets involved. And you see players turning up with hangovers for a ten o'clock in the morning kickoff. So that's uh, so that's uh, that's an issue. Um, I remember the days. We've yeah, all been yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're in the year where they're sort of like turning eighteen as the year goes on, and uh, yeah, so suddenly uh, it's uh, legal to go drinking, and it's quite funny. And my son misses out because his birthday ends in August, so he's got away. <laughs> he's got wages, but. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, lost this morning. Um, but the, the major triumph of the weekend is that I now have a new boiler and central Hooray! heater. 
Sat there so, in a shirt sleeve. Hence, I'm sat there in a shirt, yeah, in a shirt, and not not in a hat and coat like I was all all the way through last week. So uh, swings and roundabouts. Good. Uh, the other face joining us, the other voice top left, is Dan Sheldon, the Athletics' dedicated Saints reporter. Have you got over the Formula One yet, Dan? That was quite the afternoon. Yeah, it was. Um, I think I, I woke up this morning and was out of bed at about eight a.m. and I was just anxious. And I don't, I'm not an anxious person. I don't ever feel nervous, but yeah, I just all the, on the way home last night on the train on the back on the way back from London all I was thinking about was Formula One woke up this morning like the start it's going to be what, what what's Max going to do what's Max going to do then Lewis gets to jump and yeah it was good and then you, you get the chaos at the end and then I mean I think had the result not come through I probably would still be sat on my sofa <laughs> right now watching TV and you guys will be doing this on your own so no yeah good um yeah I, I can't say I'm, I'm happy with the outcome but but at least they've had an outcome and you're with us. So that's good. Yes, so we'll yeah. take that. Uh, of course, the biggest hello and thank you, as always, is reserved to our patrons, wherever you're listening or watching us this week. Welcome to episode 179 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenda LaCour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Now, Arsenal were unbeaten at home against Southampton in 26 matches. Uh, we can now make that 27. So, leaving the Emirates empty-handed is nothing new. But what did you make of the game yesterday, Steve? Um, disappointing, but kind of as kind of as expected. I think um, started well. We we were the we were the guys making the running in in the early part of the game. The home crowd seemed to be getting very anxious, and then all of, all of a sudden, it looks like we're actually going to force a sort of turnover of possession, like really high up the pitch. Um, but Arsenal just sneak their way out, and kind of a, as a direct result of that, we've got far too many players the wrong side of the ball, and they've got they've got a lot of space to run into. They counter counter up um, up our end, and I mean it's it's not a good goal to concede. Um, Arsenal have worked it well from from the position they're in, and it's a good finish by Lacazette. Who, I mean, his record against us is is starting to get slightly annoying. But yeah, from from our position, it's we've not defended it well. Um, we've kind of almost got there at the at the attacking end, but then once once they've kind of broken that initial press, um, we've got to do a lot better. Um, nobody has covered the hole that Carl uh, Walker Peters has left when he goes to press on the on the left flank. And then, I mean, Lacazette has got a lot of space when he hits that shot from what kind of around the penalty spot. Um, so you're two centre halves. You're looking, looking and asking questions. Who should be in that in that position? Maybe Diallo and or Ward Prowse should have been should have been slightly closer to our goal by that point as well. Um, so yeah, Ward Prowse, it, Ward Prowse was the was trying to fill in at left back, wouldn't he? He was the one who hmm. sort of got back behind Walker Peters. But yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of think that in that situation, you almost want a defender to come out. You kind of take the take the defence as a block, and everybody shifts across. So I think you almost want the left sided centre half to then become. You kind of then filter into a into a defensive three um, rather than just leaving a hole and pretending you're a back four at that point, because we weren't, because Walker Peters was 40 yards up the field. You need to kind of be a bit pragmatic and play the situation. And we, um, we just didn't do that. We're, we're not, we're not very good at adapting and sort of thinking about the game sort of 
out loud if you like. I'll apologise if my broadband is playing up, by the way. You may need to talk amongst yourselves for a bit. Um, but, Glenn, I'm conscious that people will be listening to this on Monday morning, be going for a run, they'll be walking, they'll be heading into work. So I feel like we need to try start with, with some sort of positives. Um, we, we talked about the 20 minutes because cause that seemed to go okay and there was there was lots to be to be pleased with there. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It, I mean, obviously, or Ralph's copped, yeah, no, Ralph's copped a lot of flack uh, again, mainly because we've lost and and we mm. didn't do much for the last seventy minutes. But he sent the team out quite well set up, and for for twenty minutes we gave Arsenal problems and we looked okay. It's interesting because I, I I've been thinking. I mean, Steve will remember this when Sven Goran Eriksson was the England manager. He always used to send a team like he'd had two weeks to prepare for a game or whatever, and he'd send the team out and we were rubbish in the first half, and then he'd change it. And the second half would be much better. So Ralph kind of seems to, in the main, get it right during the week. It's the in-game stuff that we we seem to struggle with. But the first twenty minutes, we we put them under pressure, and we and as Steve said, we kind of quietened the crowd down a little bit, and then they they started getting a little bit anxious about things. But the bottom line is, we were on top for twenty minutes. We didn't really threaten the goal we had the one shot I think from Armstrong that Ramsdale saved and that was probably his only sort of decent save I mean Ramsdale's got this thing where he makes every single save look like a look like a worldie mm. because he's 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 arms everywhere and he you know even ones that are straight at him he flicks them over the bar and makes it all look spectacular so yeah the first 20 minutes were okay without really looking like scoring but once you know the first the first goal went in with Arsenal's first attack basically I mean it's ball watching horribly by the center halves mm. and then the the second goal was was ball watching again and it, once I think Dan tweeted straight after the second goal went in it's game over and it was yeah. it, it yeah. was it was completely over and it, it was one of those games where I, I literally I quite pride myself on never leaving early and never giving up on a game early but after an hour, I was done with it. Once the third goal went in, it was just, yeah, just rubbish. And I, I caught up on match of the day and saw that they did the post twice as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, could well have, it could well have been worse. And we'd had another couple of sort of dribbly efforts that, that weren't really threatening the goal. Um, one shot from Redmond, which was half decent, which uh, Ramsdale put over the bar. But over, overall, it was after 20 minutes, it's a it's a bad day at the office. And you, you can talk about positives, but it's no good having positives for 20 minutes. Yeah, we got punished for failing to build on a bright start. So you must be sick of writing that, Dan, really, because it's it's every week now. Yeah, it's yeah, as I say, it's just like deja vu coming in. Certainly on a Sunday night, we're talking about the same problems over and over again. I was actually talking to my colleague at the Athletic at the Emirates, James McNicholas, our Arsenal writer, and he was really impressed by how Southampton started. And I was like, just, just wait, like, it, just watch, just you're, it. Don't worry, it, it's fine. You know, they're going to get chances and they won't score, and Arsenal will. And he was sort of saying how the teams that Arsenal have struggled against this year are generally ones that let them have the ball. But he thought the way Southampton play on the front foot would actually suit Arsenal because they don't have to think too much. It's kind of right, play around the press quick and then bang, you're in like a you know a 4v3 or a 5v4 situation and you just kind of overload the box. And he was kind of proven to be right on that. But yeah, I mean... I. They missed good chances, but they weren't kind of spectacular chances. There weren't any where you thought, how has he missed that? And, you know, Lacazette's a, a £50 million striker. Mm-hmm. And with all, you know, the greatest respect to Adam Armstrong, he's a £15 million striker in his first year in the Premier League and Brogia's on loan from Chelsea. So, you know, that that that's kind of the difference, really. Lacazette 
gets a chance, scores. But the defending was probably more of an issue, I think, for that first goal than Ramsdale making a save down to his right to stop Armstrong scoring. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, Dan, um, before we go on, congratulations on breaking the, the Willy Caballero story last week and managing to get the, the fill the hole line in. Um, I thought that was uh, was really good. Last, was it Sunday? We were talking about it on the pod, weren't we? Steve kind of called it and said that might be the guy we bring in and then you pretty much confirmed it straight afterwards. So what did you make of uh, of the keeper, Steve? I mean, it's a tough game to come in, but did you look a bit rusty? Um, a little bit, but then, I mean, he's not... I mean, when was the last game he played? I, c- I can't remember if he played any of the sort of... End- Back end of the season games uh, for Chelsea last season. If you um, don't, we won't. <laughs> no, I mean it's AFC Wimbledon. He's been training. He's yeah, he's been training there, but obviously not not played any actual right. games. Yeah. And I mean, there is no substitute for playing actual competitive football and keeping keeping your concentration levels high at at that stage. I mean, I I think realistically nothing. I mean, nothing you could do about the first two. Um, third one, I think. I mean. It's it's one that a keeper look, always looks bad with when he's out jumped or he he kind of tentatively comes for a, for a cross doesn't get there and the and the attacker gets there just before him. But I mean he's not helped by the defence um, for that one. Where I mean I don't understand how Cavallero is stood there on his like a yard off his line or so and there is um, I'm not sure who who it is but there's an Arsenal player alongside him kind of being a pain and getting in his way. Yeah, it's like and there's and, and there's and there's no defender there. Give, um, giving him some support. Surely there should be somebody. I mean, to be honest, in that situation, you probably want your shortest player in in that situation. Just being just being a a bit of a just kind of aggravating him, really, making sure that that if Lacazette, if that if that was who it was, um, making sure that Lacazette can't put the keeper off, give the keeper the space to run into, so that if he does want to come for the cross, um, he's got a free run at it. Whereas what happened was Lacazette blocked him slightly it was a little bit of a maybe grab of the arm which I think a really picky ref might have given the free kick for um I mean it's not it's, I mean, it's probably not a foul but you've certainly seen them given but because we didn't have a player player there he was able to do as he pleased mm. and yeah I mean, that kind of kind of capped off a pretty ropey five minutes or so from set pieces given that um he'd obviously had a, a goal from a corner ruled out for offside only what two minutes before yeah, um, yeah, the warning signs were there, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's it's frustrating because I think set pieces generally we've we've largely defended okay, I think, over the course of the season. But that wasn't a good one, and that it kind of, I think it kind of comes back to the the questions that I think Glenn and I both mentioned on on Twitter at some point yesterday was that Bednarek and Stevens as a partnership just doesn't seem to work. No, I mean that was the partnership that that started the Leicester game that 9-0 and they got broken up immediately after that and that was for a good reason yeah <laughs> um it's it seems as if they the problem is i think you need particularly a side of our level you need at least one defender who is a dominant defender and for whatever reason bednarek is not that dominant defender now and arguably never was but certainly has been more dominant in previous years just isn't quite at it at the moment um and jack stevens has never been dominant defender he's always the the read the game and also kind of um sort of deal with situations as and when they come he's a he's kind of an an organ an organizer of other people but not necessarily of himself so i think i think the selection of the of the of the two centre backs if 
if I'm going to criticise anything of the team selection, that would be the one thing. I well, think. Glenn, you did the same as well, didn't you, Glenn? You know, Lianco was really unlucky, I think, to find himself on the bench yesterday. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that were out of Ralph's control yesterday. Um, but if you look at the players who weren't available uh, for varying reasons, Salasu, Romeu, that's two of our, if you like, tough guys. You know, that's yeah. two of our imposing guys who don't take a backward step, who attack the ball. There, there's, you know, I, I, I used a word on Twitter that I can't use here. Um, you know, <laughs> let, let, let's just call them dogs. You know, they're, 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 they're two sort of dog players who gets, who gets stuck in. Che Adams is to a slightly lesser degree as well. He's missing. Lianco was missing. Now, Lianco was just left out. I, I don't understand that. We had a team of, like, nice young footballers. And um, I don't know if you saw uh, Gary Neville was on the TV a while ago and he was talking about another team and he said, you know, they got... Lots of young players and the experienced players don't step up and guide them through the game in the difficult moments. And he was actually talking about Arsenal last week when they played Everton. Um, and that is exactly what we were like yesterday. Our, our experienced players who, you th- think about it, yesterday they were Walprouse, Redmond and the two centre-halves. Uh, forget Caballero for a second because it's his first yeah. game. They, those four were, were nowhere, really. And they didn't help. And Diallo... Barely touched the ball. He just looked lost. Brozier had one of those games where he didn't look interested, whether that's just his languid sort of style or what, I don't know. And there was a number of players out there who've got a lot to gain, you know, because no one is really playing well enough to have to be undroppable. You know, I'm looking at Elianusi, didn't do much when he came on and he had sort of 55 minutes. There, there was a number of players out there who, who really could have laid down a marker to stay in the team regularly and just, just didn't do it. It was... Um, it was a horrible sort of game, but yeah, going back to the, um, there, there were lots of things that couldn't be helped because of the players that were injured or suspended. But yeah, I didn't understand Lianco being left out. And I, I, I thought the two centre-halves were were really, really poor. They're, they're just passive. Mm. They they were just sort of, the second goal is is, is horrible because they're, they're just leaving it to each other. It's like, I hope my centre-half partner deals with this. And that, you know, they're both there watching each other. When Odegaard comes in, unmarked, you know, he's been lost by, a midfielder and the centre halves are looking at each other whilst he gets as a free header from six yards. It's just, it was just awful. But I mean, you, you can see from um, Odegaard's celebration, the, he can't believe his luck. A, a yeah. kid, kid like him, who's what, five foot nine, gets a free header six yards out in, in a Premier League yeah. penalty area. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, and Dan, there was that heated debate between Bednarek and Hasselhutl on the touchline. Did you see much of that? Did he say much more about that afterwards? No, I didn't see much of it during the game. After the game, Ralph kind of intimated that Bednarek was kind of miles out from position for the first goal, and that you know he should have been there dealing with the with the finish. So, I guess if it was Alex's turn last week. It was Bednarek's turn this week to get a gentle nudge underneath the bus. <laughs> but I, I think I agree with both. Glenn and Steve, to be honest, it, it was definitely a good game for Salasu. You know, if anything, his stock went up. I think for me, Bednarek's been kind of like miles off it for quite a while now. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I just don't think he's been anywhere near the races for a good kind of 12 to 18 months, actually, I, I would say. Um, if you go back to the start of the season, he was the one, if I remember correctly, that was on the bench. Yep. And it was Jack and Salasu. And the guys mentioned that, you know, you need a dominant one and a talker. Well, I think Jack and Salasu complement each other because Salasu is the dominant defender and Jack is very good at talking Salasu through the game mm. if that makes sense that was always noticeable yep. I thought at the start of the season that Jack was very good yeah. as Steve said he reads the game and he's, he, he is a communicator and he had Salasu there who is kind of the battering ram 
and the better defender of the two, but they complement each other well. Whereas Bednarek and Stevens, you know, they you just put blindfolds on them. They just don't seem to to have that same relationship, or they just can't play together in the way that Salasu and Jack can. So it'd be really interesting going into the Palace game what Ralph does with with Bednarek and whether now Jack is back, he thinks right, okay, I'll I'll pair these two up again because I think even at that City game going into the game where you think okay they could lose four or five here he still went with Jack and Sally rather than bring Bednarek back in so yeah I think it was definitely a good game for for Salasu and probably a good game for Romeo and, yeah. and a good game for Adams if you're being <laughs> honest. The two centre-halves actually remind me of when um, when we tried for about half a season we tried Jack Stevens and Maya Yoshida and it was very, very similar. You had two, mm-hmm. you had two defenders who who were both, you know, the both the passive types. Neither of them was a, a dominant centre half. I mean, Yoshida, whenever he played against someone with any physical presence, he just he just fell to pieces. So, and 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 Stevens was the same. And I, I still have nightmares about that League Cup final when those two were playing against Ibrahimovic. It was just yeah. just horrible. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it kind of, it kind of, I was put in mind of that during the game, watch, watching the two of them sort of like looking around for where Lacazette was, and he was 20 yards away. It just reminded me of that. It, it is interesting, though, that last week Ralph called out Alex McCarthy, this week Jan Bednarek. Do you think that's his way of saying, you know, I've set the team up, um, I've done all I can, it's over to you guys now? And, and, and is that going to be, could that be more problematic, do you think, Glenn? Or do you think he's right to do that? Because you know, he, we all agree with him and, and what he's had to say. I think it's kind of overestimated sometimes how much a manager can actually do once the game starts. And that, this is the way I've been thinking a little bit recently. Yes, Ralph, Ralph isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination and he does get outwitted by other managers when they change things and he, he doesn't do things quickly enough. But in the main, we we set up reasonably and we start most games well. You can you can change certain things, but you know, as we said against against Brighton, it's it's not his fault if War Paris plays, plays a suicidal ball across the defense. It's it's not his fault if Adam Armstrong has every shot blocked. Mm. Uh, you know, and you know, it's it's not his fault. That on the first goal yesterday, our two centre backs ran back to the six yard line and left the striker completely unmarked. So, I understand his frustration. You can, you can argue whether you should throw players under the bus publicly. He hasn't really done it. No, uh, this is I, a new I, thing this season. Isn't I was, it, really? I was interested that he 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 basically apologised. I think for the McCarthy thing, where he he said he was a bit out of order, basically, and and it's not quite been as as. Um, as, as blatant this time, he's um, he's calling out of Bednarek. Uh, I must admit, I didn't see the the thing that Steve was referring to with the, uh, the you know if there was a sort of touchline confrontation. But I, yeah, I, I personally I don't see too much of a problem. I mean, the the professional sportsman playing at elite level at the end of the day, it's not all you know. It, it, it's not always going to be going well, and you you shouldn't expect an easy ride all the time. I mean, you know, sorry if I hurt your feelings, but you know, you, you should be able to take a little bit of that and pointing out a bit of bad play. I personally don't have a problem with it, but uh, I do understand that, um, you know, a lot of people do and feel like you can't criticise people publicly. Do you I think, think you should have called a few I, more out, Dan? I think, to be honest, you probably can't compare the Bednarek one and the McCarthy one. I think that in terms of calling someone out, they're two, you know, they're two completely different things. I think after the, the Brighton game, he went a lot further with Alex 
yeah you know he he quite yeah. he said he's you know he questioned his professionalism and and which for a footballer you know that that's quite a big deal i, I think yeah. for after arsenal he just pointed out that bednarek shouldn't shouldn't have been he wasn't where he should have been basically which i don't really have a problem with well i mean they scored so yeah. obviously <laughs> yeah whereas, <laughs> whereas the you know the, the mccarthy one i thought i think he took it too far and I think Ralph knew he took it too far because in his following interviews, he didn't repeat what he said to us. Hmm. And then he was quite quick on Thursday ahead of the Arsenal game to kind of row back on that and actually say, do you know what? Heat at the moment, I hadn't really seen anything. I was just furious and I shouldn't shouldn't have said it and I would act differently now. So yeah, I think he did the right thing by saying that about Alex and I have no problems with him pointing out Bednarek's mistake at the weekend because I think he did it in a fair way. It wasn't, like a, he cost us three points. He's the most unprofessional player I've ever seen. It's disgraceful. It was yeah, a bit calm, measured, and just Bednarek should have been there. He wasn't, and that's what happens. Fair assessment of the game. Steve, any positives going forward? It was a tough afternoon for the forwards. I'm thinking Teller and, and Redmond, a few chances. Maybe the penalty appeal as well. There was a foul on Teller, wasn't there, at one point, I thought. I mean, given, some, some, <laughs> well, given, given some of the decisions that have gone the way of the big clubs this weekend, um, I mean, I don't think it's that bad a shout. But, I mean, on, on the... On the balance of things, I've no particular issue with it not being given. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those games where I think you you can it's easy to overanalyze and and sort of get worked up about certain things, which many people will do because that's 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 life these days that people will want to basically find fault and there's there's kind of it's very difficult to be in the middle ground. And I think ultimately they'll write it off as a bad 70 minutes kind of count the uh, count the bruises and and see see how everybody is going into going into Wednesday but they've got um a couple of days probably a couple of days training to kind of get it get it out of the system and and go again because I mean Palace looked I mean admittedly they were playing against Everton who did a proper Everton job this afternoon they were large they were largely awful as they are prone to do in immediately after having quite a good result and I mean, Palace look Palace look an energetic team at least, even when they're not necessarily playing well. Um, there's an energy about them, and um, I think that's that's the that's the area we've got to uh, be slightly concerned with going into going into Wednesday. I think Jack, who's watching on Facebook, says that Teller needs more power behind his shots because it's easy meat for a keeper yes. at the moment. Yeah. Is that something that will come with age? Do you think, Glenn? Um, we've got to remember Teller's not 18; he's he's 23. It just seems like he. he his shooting technique, he, he never seems to catch the ball cleanly. Yes, Everything. technique thing, where where it, where exactly on the foot he's actually making contact with the ball. Yeah, it, just, it just seems to drag everything, uh, you know, along the ground. And But if he shoots from further out than, you know, edge of the penalty area, it, mm. it's, it doesn't seem to carry enough power to be... This is what I mean about the, you know, the efforts we had yesterday. I mean, he had a couple where he placed them quite well, but they just didn't didn't have enough behind them. And any, any Premier League goalkeeper is going to save that. Yeah. So... So yeah, he does that. You know, that's what that's what the training ground's for, isn't it? And you'd think there'd be someone looking at them, you know, looking at the mechanics of how he shoots and um, and uh, and trying to improve that because he's not going to score from further out than ten yards the way he shoots at the moment. And it's it's not just a case of, I mean, like someone like Adam Armstrong does drag a shot occasionally, but you know he can really belt a ball if if he gets it right. But I don't think I've seen, you know. Teller really whip one in from the uh, from the edge of the box, and uh, you think it's got a decent chance. It, it always seems to be a like a back pass. 
So that's something he's he's got to work on, and that's that's what training's for. Well, 16th in the league, 16 points, 16 games played, a point a game, which is going to be all right come the end of the year, isn't it, Steve? You know, 38 points would be unlucky. Um, have we been unlucky? Should we be on more points? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you you look at you look back at I mean, even the game the games last week. I mean, that Brighton game we should have should have had wrapped up easily. And I mean, you, there are a whole list of games that you you can go back go back through and say, well, we definitely should have won that. Um, individual mistakes have cost us, but at the end of the day, we have players that will make individual mistakes because that's our level. But there are there are a lot worse teams than us, I think. I mean, Newcastle managed to go back to um, mm. good old Steve Bruce Day, Newcastle this afternoon. So that was uh, <laughs> that was fun. That was fun to see um, see that Eddie Howe isn't the Messiah after all. That game can't come quick enough, can it? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Particularly before they before they get to spend twenty million on buying Steve Cook from Bournemouth. I, I saw was the latest link yesterday, which I thought was absolutely extraordinary that they've got all this money and they're going to go for go for a guy that's realistically is too slow to be playing in the Championship. But yeah. I, as I say, I think there's there's enough teams that are worse than us, and while the the ownership situation and therefore the financial situation is still a little bit in flux, I think we're in a we're in a little bit of a holding pattern, and you've kind of just got to take what take what you can get at this stage. I think, yeah, I think the the three that are in the bottom three, um, obviously Newcastle is a little bit of an asterisk um, with their situation. Um, Leeds look pretty i mean they they seem to play quite well at chelsea yesterday but overall they've been pretty poor this season and again they've they've picked up key injuries again and yeah i mean there's 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 plenty of teams that i don't really see an awful lot from brentford were largely rubbish for most of their game on on friday night but um watford basically did a saints and just dropped deeper and deeper until eventually brentford had to score because they were almost defending on the goal line for, yeah. for the last 15 minutes but brentford have been um on the slide f- for a while and i think that's that's the sort of game on saturday that it's got to be you've got to be looking to win that and and dan should we treat this like the liverpool game where you say actually we were never really going to get anything out of it and so we put it behind us and then we, we focus on the next one because people are going to start quoting statistics and looking at the bigger picture and going, well, actually, you know, things aren't going too well, but do we just need to keep it in, in the context of, of what it is and the fact that we don't often pick up points at, at the Emirates? I don't think you can put it in the same bracket as the Liverpool game because Liverpool are a far better side than Arsenal are. I mean, not many teams are going to go to Liverpool and have much luck there, um, but teams will go to the Emirates and, you know, beat Arsenal. So, no, I wouldn't personally put it in the same bracket as the the defeat to Liverpool, you can look at it and say, yeah, you know, they haven't won there in 20 plus games and history is just kind of repeating itself. I think had they been at the game yesterday, even after kind of like five minutes, the crowd were on Arsenal's back. And I think had Southampton scored, they very easily could have had another one. And then I think Arsenal would have just, yeah, buried themselves into a hole because that place would have just turned on them in in a big way. So no, I actually thought it was a game, although I predicted they would lose, I actually thought, after watching the first 10 minutes, knowing that Arsenal, you know, the chances were if Saints would miss all their chances and Arsenal would score, I felt quite confident that Saints might be able to get a point here or or a win. But no, I I, I don't put it in the same bracket as Liverpool. Others might, but no, I don't. Um, Glenn, Jason asks the uh, the $6 million question, where are we going to score our goals from? 
good question. I mean, we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about the Palace game, and as far as we know, Who might start? Yeah. All, all three of the regular strikers are injured, and you Walcott know, and you know what, you know what Thursday. that means. Yeah, yeah, it means Walcott or Shane Long. I mean, unless they play Teller and Redmond up front, so that's an interesting one. So there's going to be a lot of um, very stressed uh, medical staff at uh, at Saints over the next three days to try and get you know one or two of the strikers up and running because I mean you. You can never tell. Well, maybe Shane Long will come in, score five goals, get another contract for another two years. Who knows? But uh, that's uh, <laughs> strange things have happened, and that's what happened a couple of years ago. So uh, history might repeat itself. Do but we yeah, know any it, more it, about the injuries, Dan? Do we know any more about? Well, obviously, Adams wasn't in the squad yesterday, which was a surprise. No. So Ralph, after the game, didn't know to what extent the issues were with Brozier and Armstrong and with Jay Adams. All he said was that the medical ta- medical staff have told him that it's a very strange hamstring injury and it's not one that they've really seen so in terms of them advising him there wasn't too much in in Ralph's words that you know they knew about it so I mean if it's hamstring you're never kind of confident that it's a quick thing but then again we didn't get any kind of detail on from Ralph on on it so it could be strange in the sense that they don't really know what it is but it's okay or it's strange that they've never seen it before and it could be really bad of course I think everyone at Saints will be you know, having their fingers and toes crossed that all three will be fine. But then on the flip side, you know, we've all been complaining that they've not scored enough goals. So, you know, is, is it much worse? Shane Long and, uh, so- and Walcott up front. Well, yeah, I mean, I, like, I'm not saying for, for one minute, I think it, it will help Southampton if their three first team strikers are out. But, you know, we said they're not scoring goals. So, can Walcott yeah. do it? Can Long do we it? Had a, we had a little glimpse of Adams, Adams and Brozier playing up front, didn't we? And, and, that you know that that looked like a way forward to me so it's it's a shame that you know certainly Adams was in a fairly decent run of form and and it's a it's a shame that he's uh he's picked up a knock but uh someone's got to step up so yeah what's that what's the um, anyone know anything about Stuart Armstrong because he gets forgotten about now and he's he's still a massive a massive loss creatively with regards to us creating goals and and scoring goals still no wins without him it's getting, like David Con- about- it's getting like David Connolly, isn't it? Like he's back it from the bit. dead. Yeah. Ralph was asked about that this week, wasn't he, Dan? And he, he said it's just a, a, was it a calf injury and, and nothing suspicious at all, I think was what always he said. Always a calf injury. <laughs> yeah, as we say. Yeah, always a calf. Um, so Palace on Wednesday night is not going to be an easy one. How do we go about getting something out of that, Steve? Cut off the supply to... Uh, Conor Gallagher, by the looks of it, I mean he's a he's a lad in in red hot form at the moment. Two great two cracking goals today. Yeah, I think the the central midfields can be important, but also our fullbacks. Zaha's had a relatively quiet season, but they've got they've got options in those areas now. Whereas before, kind of everything had to go through him. They've made some astute signings and and got got some alternative options that that mean that teams can't just double up on him now and and basically if you shut shut Zaha down you shut Palace down that's not the case anymore so got to be a little bit careful there but I think their defence is there to be got at I mean Joel Ward and uh, players like that getting in getting into a Premier League back four these days nah, not having that um, he's got to be uh, yeah. got to be run, running running at their fullbacks if in an attacking sense I think. But yeah, I, th- I think I think if we can shut shut down the supply line, sort of in sort of that between area, sort of um, between the uh, centre circle and and our penalty area, um, then I think that's the uh, that's the key, um, that's the key to winning the game Wednesday. I think. Does it all hinge on who comes back in, Glenn? Those that were missing on uh, Saturday, on Saturday. Well, Romeo and Salas will be back in, won't they? Like it's only a one game hope, ban, yeah. isn't it? For... Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, so as long as they haven't got an injury, we don't know about those two will come in, which will immediately make us a lot more competitive. You know, we'll have a we'll have a couple of tough guys back in the team who who just won't allow the game to pass us by. Because if those if those two were missing, I I would fear us against Palace because they're they're always fear for us against Palace rather because they they are always quite a physical side. And you know, if you if you haven't if you don't fight that, then the the game just drifts away from you. Steve's made a very important point about. Zaha not being their only option now with, I mean, they've got Ben Teke back playing um, and he, he's doing okay. So he's, he's a, he's a big physical centre forward. So we have got to choose the centre backs carefully. You know, obviously mm. Salisut will come back in. Personally, I'd go with Salisut and Lianco for that Definitely. game, but w- whether he will or not, whether he still sees Lianco as like the fourth choice and only play him in an emergency um, remains to be seen. But, but personally, that's what I'd look at doing. It, it is hard to see a scoring, and it, it just depends, you know, especially if um, if the players are out that um, we've mentioned. If Roger Adams and Armstrong are all out, then then we are in a, a in a spot of bother. But uh, mm. if we can uh, get one of one or two of them on the pitch, then uh, then hopefully we can. Uh, I see it being quite a low scoring game because I don't think Palace don't score many goals. Or I've got three today because of Everton, but. Uh, they're not the most prolific of teams, so it, it it'll be a it'll be a tight game. Get your money Basically. on four all then. <laughs> well, we have to def- we have to defend properly. You know, we've won three games this year, and yeah, they've all been one yeah. 0 and they've all been yeah. games where we've defended properly. We're we're not going to blast teams away. You know, we've mm-hmm. got to accept that. No matter who plays, we're not going to be three nil up. Yeah. We we have to keep things tight. And you know, I saw someone. I think it was in the Echo. Someone questioned. You know the amount of goals we've started letting in the last three or four games. It's it's suddenly the average is you know going up, and we can't we can't be not clicking in both penalty areas. I mean that that was the thing I noticed from yesterday. We were poor in both penalty areas, and you ain't going to win any games if you've got that particular double whammy going on. Yeah, well, <laughs> so it, it won't come as a surprise to any regular listeners or viewers that none of us got the uh, the score prediction right last week. We had a two one, a couple of two nils, and a three one. So we were there or thereabouts. Um, I think we all got the outcome right. Um, Crystal Palace on on Wednesday night. Dan, how do you see this one going? Uh, it could be a cagey game. I, 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 I don't know. I, I I generally can't call it to be honest. One all. One all. Steve. Uh... Ugh, oh, God. God, yeah, I, 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 it's getting like that now, isn't it? it yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I might start drawing my drawing my predictions out of a tombola or something. <laughs> One nil win, just All pure. Right. Oh God, that, that'll be horrible. But yeah, just get just get something on the board. Ben, give us something. I'm going to cover all bases. So Dan's gone for a draw. Steve's gone for a win. I'm going to go for a one nil defeat. Right. Okay. Well, we just see. Um, <laughs> How optimistic is that? <laughs> I know, right? Well, we follow it up with um, Brentford at home on Saturday. That's not going to be an easy one either, Glenn, because uh, they're doing all right this season. Yeah, they, they started off well. They're actually not playing particularly well at the moment, but they're um, they're picking up the odd result, you know, like they did at the weekend, and they're, they're keeping their heads above water. I still expect them, to be honest, to be nearer the bottom three than mid-table come the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But they're doing okay. I like the manager. He's he's a refreshing kind of guy. Seems to... Uh, um, he has a certain vibrancy about him and, and that's reflected in the team. You know, they're, they're loving life at the moment and, and you can tell that from the from the way they play. That said, we have to win games like this. Yeah, definitely. We absolutely have to win games like this at home against Brentford um, with all due respect and I expect us to, I expect us to do so that you know they are the sort of team that are going to have bad games but occasionally and um, we have to make sure they have one 
next Saturday. Saturday. And, uh, so your, your score prediction for that game? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win on that one. Okay. Steve, are the floodgates going to open? With, uh, with, well, it depends who starts, I guess, but... Floodgates, well, floodgates, floodgates might open in terms of um, in terms of th- in terms of points, but not necessarily goals. Because I mean, we're winning games one nil, aren't we? I mean, Brent. I think Brentford actually their style might suit us in that they're a little bit more open. Um, they're not the sort of side that are happy to defend on their eighteen yard box, stick stick eleven men behind the ball, and just see what happens. Um, they're a side that wants to play a fairly progressive style, and hopefully. The situation arises where ultimately we just have slightly better players at doing the same thing, mm. and if that if that's the case, then we should win the game. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've Brentford, Brentford. They look quite entertaining. There's um, certainly a good atmosphere at games at their at their ground, but on the road they've looked they've looked a little bit ropey. I think so. Yeah, I mean, what nice Christmas, you going for? Nice early Christmas present for everyone. A nice ner- another nervy one nil win. No win. And finally, Dad, you see this one playing out? 2-1 Southampton. 2-1 Southampton. All right, we'll take that. Um, that's about it for episode 179. So my thanks as always to Steve, to Glenn and to Dan. Thanks also to all our patrons. We've got the Matt Letizia tier patrons. That's Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy and Phil Cook, plus Nick Reed, who's in our Francis Benali tier. You can find out more about becoming a TSP patron and all the benefits that come with that over on the website. So do search that out. And don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. On the socials, we're at Total Saints Pod. That's on Twitter and on Facebook. And you can always get in touch via the website as well. Thank Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and have a great week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.